0: it is another episode of Five Rounds here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. This is a big one. It's been six weeks since we've had a UFC pay-per-view. We're going to have a couple of behemoths in the Octagon this Saturday night live, UFC 270. The undisputed heavyweight championship is on the line when champ Francis Ngannou faces interim champ fellow Frenchman. Cyril Gan, these guys are former teammates, former occasional training partners. I don't think they were best buddies or anything like that, but they did cross paths in training six to eight times, according to Francis Ngannou. And we've seen some of the footage that's been out there. So there is history, and this should be an awesome heavyweight title fight. Before we preview that, I want to remind you guys, we are proudly served by the Quarterdeck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. The Quarterdeck is my spot, and if I'm looking for a great meal, like the fresh seafood. I love to build my own poke bowl. I love the fresh mahi. I love the buffalo shrimp. That's my favorite appetizer on the planet. Or if I want a great sandwich, like the French dip, the jerk chicken sandwich, the All-American burger, their award-winning baby back ribs. There are so many great things you can enjoy at the Quarterdeck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. Guys, enjoy all the big games. Playoffs are in progress in the National Football League. You can catch every second at the Quarterdeck. And, yes, my friends, I know those watching us now are probably watching us for the UFC 270 coverage. Oh, oh, you can watch it live at the quarterdeck. And guess what? Zero cover charge, my friends. 0. 0.0. Over the last couple of episodes, we've talked about how the UFC has actually raised, although Dana White said it was ESPN's decision, not theirs. So ESPN has raised the UFC pay-per-view price another $5. It's up to 75 bucks now. And yet... Even though their price keeps going up, the Quarterdeck price stays the same. Zero cover charge at the Quarterdeck. So, guys, check it out. This Saturday night, it is going to be rocking at the Quarterdeck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grills. So, find the nearest location to you and check out their menu before you go by visiting their website, quarterdeckrestaurants.com. The Quarterdeck, come for the food, stay for the fun. And, you know, guys, I would expect probably a lot of traffic out at the Quarterdeck this Saturday because – this pay per view is trending to be a behemoth. Okay, um, usually you can kind of judge uh, how big like a pay per view is going to be by rate wise based on the live gate, and and this is not a Vegas live gate, which the prices are usually a little bit a little bit of inflation in Vegas. This is out in Anaheim, California, at the Honda Center. And they've already broken the Live Gate record for that building. The previous Live Gate record for the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, was three and a half million dollars for a Rolling Stones concert. The UFC is going to have a projected five million dollar Live Gate for this event. So this is this is going to be gargantuan. And so, yeah, usually if you have a Live Gate trending that high, the pay per view buys are going to trend really, really high as well. Um, and so, guys, l- l- let's talk about it. Uh, let me introduce my co-host here first. We got the great Frank Zaffrey, who I'm sure is going to be watching this event at the Quarterdeck. Frank, how are you? I'm great.
1: And, and a little bit of good news. I was checking out the fight card yesterday uh, on UFC.com, and they do not list Cyril Gan as interim heavyweight champion. They really? list him as number one contender yes Whoa. interesting wow. and, you know yeah check it out it's on that it's on there he's listed as number one not as i don't know what they would put i see or i see they would write but they don't
0: they didn't write that uh, what's going on james Walker how you doing
2: i'm doing good and and those numbers that you mentioned kind of confirms everything that frank's been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks about Nganu's star potential that's that's interesting that all that's being confirmed uh you know in the numbers But i'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit
0: yeah, and we're going to we're going to break down this fight in great detail. And someone who's going to help us do that is going to join us in about 27 minutes. The great Kevin Ioli from Yahoo Sports. Kevin is an award-winning MMA and boxing journalist has been doing it at a very high level for a long time at yahoo sports.com. He's going to help us break it down. So, guys, if we start like in the most simplistic way possible and then we kind of peel back the layers of the onion, if, you, if you're trying to sell this fight or explain this fight to a casual who doesn't really maybe watch a whole lot of MMA, maybe they're not really familiar with Nganu and Gon, but they've heard this fight getting hyped up, so you're saying, I want to watch it, what should I expect? If you want to break this down, James, at the most simplistic level, you've got the heaviest puncher, heaviest power puncher in MMA history, perhaps combat sports history. I know Mike Tyson may have something to say about that, but Francis Ngannou is up there. He is the heaviest puncher in UFC history going up against one of the most technical strikers in the UFC, regardless of weight class. And Francis Ngannou, watching that guy move is incredible. He is a 250, 260-pound guy who moves like a 155. Like, it's really incredible. He is the sharper uh, counter-striker, can really pick you apart from the outside versus, versus Ngannou, who does have good form in his hands. Uh, you've got to have good form to have that good of a power because power doesn't only come from strength. Power also comes from precision. Uh, but he's not going to play more of the point- finesse game and ganu is going to try and knock your head into the 17th row so at the simplistic levels james did i break it down well to say this is the power puncher versus the more polished striker
2: yes and uh you know to make it even more simplistic i mean this is a good heavyweight championship fight which the ufc hasn't really had a lot of good heavyweight championship fights um you know not a ton of them in, in in recent years and so uh, everyone loves a good heavyweight championship fight. You know, when 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 boxing was good, it was because the heavyweight division was was at its peak or right up there, um, and and so and I think even with the UFC, you know, when they've had a strong heavyweight division, I think that just helped, you know, helped business. So uh, you know, this is this is as good as a matchup. I know Dana White's touting it as the best heavyweight matchup of all time. I you know I don't know if that's the case yet because I don't know if Ghan is you know has has proven himself enough to to deserve that you know to be in that billing, but. It's it's definitely a good tactical matchup when you look at the you know when you look at the style clashes like like you just mentioned Alex. So very interesting matchup, and like you said, the numbers, the numbers prove it out. There's a lot of people interested in this fight, more so than in Ganu and Steep or you know, some of the other heavyweight matchups we've had recently.
1: Yeah, you know, Scott Coker a few years ago proved that if you have a relevant heavyweight division, you can compete with the UFC. He did that with strike force, and now The the UFC is on the precipice of true mainstream breakout fandom. I can't emphasize this enough because you finally have the kind of fighter who, as James just mentioned, harkens back to, I mean, Tyson, Holyfield, you know, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, Foreman, really Foreman, actually. That's really who he is, right? You got to go all the way back to there. But, you know, he harkens back to when boxing was super I mean, it was the sport. It was the spectacle. It was what everyone tuned into when it was happening. The UFC finally has a fighter who can resurrect that kind of super fandom and do it in the UFC. So this is like, this is, I don't even know if Dana White truly appreciates how momentous this is for his league, for his fan base, and for the future of mixed martial arts, really.
0: Yeah. You you have to, you have to wonder. Um, I, I, you know, I think that whether it was on purpose or kind of despite him not putting his best effort, I think this fight has gotten so intriguing that people are magnifying storylines that may not even really exist because everyone (laughs) like you see certain, certain shows and certain promos will break down this fight and make it sound like these guys used to be pals. Right. I mean, that's, you know, this is yeah. We talked about a fight where that is the case. Last week, we talked a lot about Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal, who legitimately used to be best bros, and now they can't stand each other, and they're going to fight. But in the case of Ingunu and Gan, uh, even though they were training uh, in Paris under Fernand Lopez at the same time, they sound like acquaintances at best. Uh, the way that Ingunu described it, yeah, they did spar, but it was only a handful of times—six to eight times total. He estimated. Uh, It didn't really seem like either of these guys were that close or that tight. They didn't hang out together, you know, back when they were both training uh, under that banner uh, there at the MMA factory in Paris. So, you know, it's not as if, uh, and and by the way, both guys also speak very respectfully from one another. There definitely is a, a feud between Ngannou and his former coach, who's Francis's coach, Fernand Lopez. But between the two actual fighters, there's no feud whatsoever. This is all business. This is nothing personal here. And, you know, Frank, uh, the the matchup here, it's really fascinating to me uh, because these guys, you know, they they accomplish their goals and that's getting their hand raised in a very different way. Uh, Francis Ngannou, his average fight time in the octagon is just it's about five minutes, six seconds. So he averages usually not getting out of the first round. Right. He had a couple of five round fights that skew that average even higher. Whereas Surreal gone, his average octagon time is a little bit over 15 minutes. So I could argue if you're looking for advantages for Surreal gone, a perceived advantage could be he's just more accustomed to getting into deeper water. Right, uh, and he should have better cardio, which makes sense because you look at not only the way that Ngannou is built, there's a lot of muscles to get oxygen to, but also the way that he fights. I mean, when you're throwing your hands as heavily as he does versus more of a volume finesse game like Gone, theoretically there's a bigger chance. If Francis Ngannou doesn't finish the fight within the first 10 minutes, I think it's going to favor surreal gone the deeper and deeper this fight goes. Uh, so for Francis Ngannou, it's usually a quick night when this guy is in the octagon. Uh, in his UFC wins, I think it is MMA wins total, not just the UFC. He's never um, won a fight where he threw more or landed more than 36 significant strikes. So it doesn't take him more than 36 strikes to put you out, right? Um, so Surreal gone. Uh, is really going to try to not only get on his bicycle and pick him apart from the outside. But one thing I'm wondering, <laughs> Frank, is I'm not expecting many takedowns in this fight. Uh, you know, we've seen Francis Ngannou improve his takedown defense, which was a big thing when he fought Stipe Miocic. I don't think he's going to have to use that a whole lot this time around because that's not really Cyril gons game. His, uh, his takedown percentage is only 20% successful in the UFC, so I don't think he's going to go to that well. But I do wonder, with Cyril Ghan being such an accomplished kickboxer uh, and a guy who's really good at using the standing clinch, if he's going to try and wear out in Ganu's body. Because my game plan, if I'm Cyril Ghan, my game plan would be do whatever I can to make this guy move and also trap him ag- up against the cage so I can stay out of punching range and I can suck some of his energy away. Well,
1: I hate to take any enthusiasm away from the gone fans that might be watching or listening, but Francis and gano already solved these problems. And if I feel like everybody forgot that he already solved these problems, he was a guy who went out head hunting, would gas himself if he didn't catch you. And that culminated in the, in the really lopsided loss that he had to Stipe uh, Miacich the first time they fought. Then he went back and he fixed things. So the two things he did, look, he's still heavily muscled. You're right. He still can't throw 500 punches like Colby Covington, Robbie Law. He can't do yeah. that. But what he can do is be more measured when he strikes and also with his fast hands and his and his frightening power come quick, hard, and make you pay if you get close. That's what he will do. That's what he did to Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez came in and rushed him and bang, he gets caught. So he won't hold back. He will unload if Ghan gets close and tries to tie him up or do something like that. Otherwise, I think you're going to see a patient in Ghana. That's what we've seen. He'll he'll sit, he'll be patient. And if you put your if you get in the box with him or you come at him, he's then the torrent of punches will fly. And I think where this fight gets interesting is Ghan's defense, right? How close can he get and not get hurt? And I think we might be surprised that he's pretty adept at that because he's a super athlete. Now, if he can pull that off, then this fight could switch very heavily in favor of Cyril Ghan because Ngannou's game plan will be to gas himself every time Ghan puts himself in the phone booth. But, you know, I haven't seen anyone survive the phone booth yet. So, you know, that would be something if it happened.
2: Yeah, Ghan's best bet is to do his his in-and-out game, which is, which is natural to him. And, and and pretty much flatten the tires, you know. Just leg kicks, score some points. Maybe just play it. Try to play a points battle for the first two rounds, and uh, and then see where Ngannou's cardio is in, in the third and fourth round, and whether he can kind of up, you know, up the intensity and and be more in the box at that point. But um, you know, Ngannou one of those fighters that's super, super I mean, probably the most dangerous fighter to fight in the first two rounds in the UFC. Um, you know, there's a few other guys you could probably put in there: Conor McGregor and. And some other guys that are very dangerous in that first round, those first two rounds. And then after that, you know, it, it could tail off dramatically. So. So, yeah, if, if Ghan plays the points battle and just kind of scores from the outside for the first two rounds, even if he's if he, even if he loses a round, that's OK. You okay. know, if it's one one going to the point is just to get to the third, get to the fourth and see what kind of fighter in Ghanu is at that point and then kind of test his metal and, and and kind of put the pedal to the metal at that point.
1: Alex, you, and James, you know you know what Engano's uh, evolution as a fighter reminds me of? Yoel Romero's. <laughs> Yoel Romero went through this same thing. And, you know, he became, I mean, ultimately he did not get, get the title, obviously. But he became a guy who could be just as terrifying later in a fight because of the way he was measured. But mm-hmm. his athleticism was just, you know, I don't know if there's ever been a better athlete in the he's UFC. Awesome, so.
0: But he is. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's he's like a a rocket taking off. It's like <laughs> zero zero to sixty, and you know a blink of an eye, it's crazy. Um, so uh, honestly, um, I think the outcome that would surprise me most, but would also impress me most, would be if Francis Ngannou can win this fight in the fourth or fifth round, because that, because that 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 that's the least likely scenario. If you maybe I should show the props uh, for this fight. Let me see if. Uh, here are the odds on. Oh man, Francis Ngannou to win by decision <laughs> plus one thousand. Wow. There is surreal gone to win by decision plus two fifty. So uh, as the odds reflect, what I would figure it's, it's statistically it seems way less likely that Ngannou would win a decision or like a late late round stoppage because listen those those uh, those hammers that he throws with his fists. They're not going to hit as hard in, you know, the fourth or fifth round as they do in the first and the second round. That's just, you know, I think that's uh, physics or the law of gravity, whatever it is, man. That's, that's a little bit above my head, the type of science that that would fall into. But Ngannou in is going to be at his most dangerous for the early rounds of the fight. So if, if Ngannou were to find a way to take like a late late stoppage or a decision, I would say, you know what? Now he's answered every question, Frank. Like if he can actually like, you know, get through into a late round and, and win a decision over a guy who's much more equipped to fight for decisions, I would say, this guy's the perfect specimen. He has nothing left to prove.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know that he needs to prove
0: that. I, I, I have a hard time imagining Ghan getting
1: out of this fight conscious. I mean, I really do. But, it, you know, to both of your points, I think, uh, you know, if it goes to a decision, it's hard to imagine Nganu winning that. Because Nganu staying point for point with you and staying in a fight, contested fight with you, means that you got hit by Nganu a bunch of times and didn't go to sleep. So I just have a hard time imagining that. I You know, I feel like if it goes to a decision, it's because Ghan was just being careful the entire fight yeah. and picked
2: him apart. And yeah, we're we're talking about gas tanks a lot, but you, you know what damages gas tanks? Damage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who, who cares about yeah. a gas tank? If 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 Cyril Ghan takes four or five strong punches from Francis Ngannou, his gas tank is not gonna be, you know, what it is, you know, just because he's genetically able and, and trained very well to have good cardio. If he if he has damage, um, you know, and gets touched, you know, in that first and second round, he might he might be tired in the third round just from simply just taking some punishment from Ngannou.
1: How much stock do you put in? Because I, I put a lot of stock in this, and lost to Stipe. The one takeaway I had from that is the man has a huge heart. He did not look for a way out and also no. would not be finished. Yeah. Stipe hits like a truck, too. So I, I look back on that fight as something that gives me some information about Nganu that, you know, even with the way he's changed the way he fights, if things don't go his way, he's not looking for a way out of there. And he's a really, really tough out.
0: Here's – by the way, we're getting some good uh, interactions here in the live chat. If you're watching (laughs) us right now, uh, whether you're watching live or later on, do us a solid and smash the like button. Hit that thumbs up button. It really helps us out. And while you're at it, hit subscribe if you haven't already subscribed to the Five Reasons Sports Network. And if you are watching us live, take advantage of the live chat. As long as you're signed in, you have a Google – account and a youtube account you can talk to us here live uh we got cameroon checking in so francis and ganu is well represented in the chat from me jr our guy tony two times has been chiming in what do you think of this one fellas uh, is there any chance we see an over analytical francis slow and lumbering like he was in his first steep fight and the subsequent uh Derek lewis fight maybe too patient waiting for Gone to come inside now i got a couple thoughts on that um it it seemed as though nganu solved that mental block, but Francis, uh, sorry, Cyril Gan, I think has the type of style where if he can get into a rhythm, he can confound you a little bit. Right, um, that, that if, if Nganou is not able to early in the fight have success cutting inside and, and landing some uppercuts and getting into punching range, and if he kind of allows Cyril for the first few minutes to establish his kicking range and pick him apart from the outside, I think when you give a fighter who's that technically skilled as a striker, if you give him a few minutes to kind of find his footing, if you don't make him uncomfortable early on, then he might make you look bad, and it it kind of goes into what. you – And Frank, I'll, I'll let you go first on this one, but it, it gonna, kinda, go ahead. I just
1: I just feel like we're so like recent. Not I'm not picking on you. I just mean mm-hmm. the stuff I'm reading is so recent and it's bias about the analysis of this. Mm-hmm. Am I am I taking crazy pills or surreal? Don wasn't like <laughs> scaring everyone to death through his run. And Derek Lewis fight, Derek Lewis, I don't know what happened, but, I mean, Gone was fighting a punching bag. I'm not taking anything <laughs> away from God, but I feel like we're basing all of this, like, breathtaking striking and cardio for days and all this stuff based on him beating up a guy who wouldn't move or throw a punch. So it's like, you, you know what I mean? And, like, and then I look back on Nganu's last few fights and, like, holy shit. like yeah. everything he touches, he destroys. I'm not yeah. saying this isn't competitive, but, like, Let's look at all of Gon's fights. You know, I mean, you know, he doesn't have finishing power, I don't think, you know, and I think he can be tentative, surprisingly yes. so, when you look back at
0: some of his fights. So he's, he's very careful. Yeah. He just, because he he picks his maybe spots. Too like, careful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah look, it it kind of reminds me like certain phases in Anderson Silva's career where he just didn't do a whole lot because he wasn't the type of striker to charge at you and create his own offense. His offense would come from his defense. Like, he would make you make a mistake and exploit that mistake, and, and Cyril Gunn is a lot like that, I think. Well, and let me ask you, on the recency bias, Frank, I'll start with you and then James, um, there may be something to that because when this when the odds opened up for this fight – um Francis was a very slight favorite, it was basically a pickem, but Francis was a very a, a razor thin favorite at -115 compared to -105 for Cyril. And since then, uh apparently the money has been coming in on Cyril gone because now it's Cyril the favorite at -145, so you have to bet 145 bucks to win 100 back yeah. versus Francis at +115. So the money has definitely been going in gone's direction. And I like I can speak and maybe the recency bias is part of it because there are a lot of breakdowns coming out for Cyril that haven't come out so recently for, for Francis because he hasn't fought in a longer time. But I've just found, Frank, personally, the more that I, I actually like sit and study Cyril Gon, the more impressed I get. And that's not to take anything away from Nganu. I'm talking about evaluating Gon in a vacuum. The more I watch of him the more impressed I get. So I do find myself formulating more of a favorable opinion on Cyril for this fight.
1: Yeah, and and look, you study, you basically break down film. Like, that's who you are. And I think you're right about Gon's ability. He's a super athlete, and he's a tremendous striker. But the recency bias is real. This whole thing with this line is based on fighting a guy who fought like a punching bag (laughs) and some some, (laughs) uh, released sparring videos that's what this whole thing is about you yeah. know and so it's not like you know i know i think james is with me on on where he how he thinks this fight is going to turn out but i think the, i think the world is going to be shocked and inappropriately so when you see gone unconscious on the ground and you're like how did this happen like we completely <laughs> forgot that and Ganem does this to everybody
2: yeah. And, and I've, I've been saying this bef- uh, for weeks, too, is are, are we sure that gone isn't being rushed up too quickly? You know, no. if, if you look at every other heavyweight contender, every other heavyweight champ, they had to go through the ringer of other top heavyweights on the road uh, to a title fight. You know, so by the time JDS was in a title fight, he had gone through the ringer. By the time Cormier, Stipe, um, you know, uh, even Francis, you know, Francis had to fight. A lot of guys. He had to fight Stepe twice, uh, you know, to get to a title shot. Gone hasn't been tested yet, you know, and Derek Lewis was supposed to be his toughest test, and that was probably Derek Lewis' worst night. Um, so, you know, are, is he ready for Francis and Ghan? What if it, you know, what if things get in deep water? What if he gets touched a couple of times? How will he react? We haven't yeah. seen any of that from gone yet. To have any firm confidence that you know he's championship material, we're only basing it on his skill level, which that's is really, which is really yeah, good.
1: That's one hundred percent right. And I would also ask both of you, Stipe, is he not as good as surreal gone? Like, like I, we always forget about Stipe, but like,
0: yeah, like to think so about
1: who gone is, of, I know, but to think about who gone is as a fighter and try to evaluate him. I try to think of other fighters in the division that we're not talking about. And Stipe, all American, like tremendous wrestler, right? Yeah. Tremendous collegiate wrestler. Oh yeah. Golden gloves, boxer. I mean, he's got it all. He's strong. He's big. He's super athletic and he can do all of these things. He's
0: comfortable anywhere.
1: Like is Ghan? gone. Better than him, I you know I don't I
3: don't I don't. Think I'll, so. I'll
0: say this: I think that uh, Francis and Ganu is a better stylistic matchup for surreal Gan than Stipe Miocic would be because of because of Stipe's wrestling, and that's something you know. Fra- Francis, his MMA experience is somewhat limited. He's ten and zero, which is obviously a really good record, but he's got a lot of his professional experience was in kickboxing before he got to MMA. You know. Uh, dealing with wrestlers that's not his background right whereas dealing with francis and i'm not saying it's easy because the guy you know he's got canned hams for fists right so it's not an easy thing but stylistically like you know it's going to be more of a striking battle uh, let's go out to the guest line my friends we have the pleasure of being joined by uh, a man who can add so much insight to this conversation and He's been working hard this week. Kevin Ioli from Yahoo Sports. Kevin, I went on an Ioli binge this morning. I was watching your video interviews on YouTube with wow. Dana. You had You're Francis. Yeah, you had Francis on, uh, <laughs> Cyril gone. So you were able to talk to everybody. So first thing, before we break down the fight itself, because Frank James and I hadn't even brought this up for the first 26 minutes of this episode, in having a chance to speak this week to Dana White and to Francis Ngannou, Do you get the sense, Kevin, that this is going to be Francis's final fight in the UFC?
3: Well, I I do think there's a really uh, difficult spot right there because Francis is burrowed in in his position. And the UFC is, as always, uh, stuck on their position. Uh, But... The one thing that would maybe make it not his last fight is the UFC has that champion's clause. So Francis wins the fight, the contract extends and that might be the way to get him back uh, into the cage. But if he loses uh, to Cyril, then, then I think, you know, there's a really good chance this could be the last fight. Now,
0: you have a, a unique perspective in being um, a, an MMA and a boxing columnist, and you've covered both sports for a long time, boxing, I'm sure, even longer. So one of the things that Ngannou has talked about wanting to do if he doesn't resign with the UFC is become a high-level professional boxer. How, how do you see that transition for him, Kevin? Because to me, it's like he's got great hands for MMA. I don't know how that translates to the highest level of boxing.
3: Yeah, I want to be a great PGA Tour player, though, but Tiger Woods isn't worried about me, right? So, uh, you know, I I, I mean, you know, if Francis fought uh, Tyson Fury, I think he'd last three or four rounds, right? If, if, you know, if Tyson Fury was really trying to fight, Um, you know, I mean, it's a different sport. It's, they're not the same sports. And it's, you know, um, you may remember about 20 years ago, Albert Pujols and Todd Hilton, and I think A Rod was the other one. They, Went and they uh, they hit against uh, at the all star game against one of the top softball pitchers from the U uh, S Olympic team, and she struck them out. And it's not like well you know they couldn't hit you know a, a softball. It was that you know different angles and different you know different spins and everything. And it, it, they're similar sports, but they're different. And this is same thing in fighting. And Francis is an MMA fighter, not a boxer, and you know he's not trained as a boxer, and he, he's given up basically his entire life to Tyson Fury because Fury has trained his entire life in boxing and he'd be ready for that. I, I just think it's a mistake on Francis's part. I, I don't think he really wants to be a boxer. I think he wants to get a massive payday, but I don't even think he would get that to be honest with you uh, in a fight with Fury.
2: Kevin, uh, Dana White has spoken pretty poorly of Francis's management team. Um can you just take us behind the curtain a little bit in terms of just what what has gone poorly in the relationship there and and just what exactly are they talking about is it over money is it over demands or what's what's the issue
3: Well the the number one thing James uh, that you know what happened is um the UFC felt they had a deal and that uh, um that francis's agent markel martin agreed to it they have they claim they have an email that says uh, yes we agree to this deal and the very next day another agent from caa that represented francis called back and says you know i don't care what anybody else says i'm not doing the deal and i think that from their standpoint that was like the beginning of of the breakdown um you know Francis um, uh, is a a very prideful guy and he wants to be promoted and he's felt like all along that you know he was a lot of times the B side in these promotions and wasn't getting the push that like you know he talked about this week of Cyril getting the push you know and everybody's talking about Cyril and everybody's uh, pushing Cyril and I I think you know that those are some of the issues going on I mean the UFC has always been able to with their big stars you know that they pay the big money to come to deals and not have a problem with paying them money. Uh, It's just an issue of, you know, do they decide Francis is really a big star and Francis um, is really dug in on his position, you know, and he feels like he's owed a lot more than he's making and he feels like he's been treated badly. Like, you know, um, the narrative that was out there that he chose to wait uh, uh, for the title fight rather than fighting uh, somebody while DC and Stipe were going through their third bout you know, he really pushed back on that when I talked to him. And, and that was, a you know, uh, that was something that I think was commonly held that Francis, you know, could have fought and decided to wait. The UFC insists absolutely they offered him fights and that he turned them down and, and wanted to wait for the winner of Stipe in D.C., which obviously turned out to be Stipe. Um, he claims absolutely the opposite, that, that, you know, that he wanted to fight, that he was asking to fight uh, some fighters and that the UFC said no. So it's really, you know, somebody's lying in this case. And we don't know who it is, but uh, uh, it's a messed up situation, unfortunately.
1: Kevin, am I taking crazy pills? Okay, because, like, put me, help me understand Dana White. Because, like, right now, the ESPN decides that this is the fight they're going to raise the pay-per-view price on. Alex <laughs> just educated us that the live gate record has been destroyed at this arena by upwards of $2 million. There's 40%, um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- th- You're the boxing guy, right? And I'm old, so I remember the great boxing moments. Francis and Gano, for me, he is the mainstream move for the UFC. He's the thing. It's you, you bring a WWE guy or two in, that's interesting. That bumps some pay-per-views. You know, you've got a guy who's charismatic or, or, or stirs the pot, and that brings in some buys. But when you have the kind of archetype that Francis Ngannou is and the way and the style that he fights, it brings everybody into the tent. And to boot, the guy's got a phenomenal personality and an incredible backstory where this guy could be, this, I mean, really, he could make you forget about Conor McGregor. I feel like that's how transcendent he is. Well, I, I don't know. I, I,
3: I was buying a lot of what you're saying until that last point there, but <laughs> you'll, you know, see. You'll, you'll see. You'll see. So here's, here's what I would say you know, I think that, uh, number one, the UFC uh, is not. Uh, having any problem selling pay-per-views, you know, last year. And I put this in a column that I wrote about Terrence Crawford, Terrence Crawford complained uh, when he, after he fought uh, Sean Porter and the fight did, I think 170,000 or whatever it was, it was a, a lower number, uh, lower than expected. He says, well, what do you expect when you, you know, I'm fighting on an app. But I put in my thing that the UFC in 2021 had had five uh, fights over 750,000 pay-per-view sales and two of them over 1.5 million pay-per-view sales. So obviously the UFC wasn't having trouble selling their pay-per-view on an app. And so, but when you just take those UFC numbers, you know, they're doing it uh, without Francis, you know, in there, right? I mean, Francis hasn't been, hasn't been fighting. So I don't think that they're, You know, they want Francis to be part of it because they know he's, you know, like you said, I agree with everything you said. Francis is a compelling personality. You know, I sat there when he won the title that night and listened to him talk. And I thought, if this guy fights John Jones, he is going to blow up and be really big. Right. Um, and then Jones didn't want to fight. And I think there's things that got in the way too, Frank that, you know, that happened that were out of both sides control. Like as a, as an example, the UFC did say, hey, we want the winner of Steve Bay versus Francis to fight John Jones. And then John Jones comes out after Francis wins and says, I don't want to fight until
1: 2022. So, <laughs> you know,
3: nothing that the UFC could have done about that um and there there have been things like that that have gone on also uh before stipe and dc signed for their third fight they were having a little difficulty getting stipe in the ring right and then after the fight you know before um after the dc fight and before he fought uh francis in the rematch stipe uh, you know pulled out not pulled out but they delayed the announcement of the fight several times you know stipe had a bad thumb then he had an eye injury and, and there was a couple things so that pushed it back so there was all those things that were really neither side's fault, but they led into this, you know, the creation of hard feelings. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope that they get together because I think it's for the best for the fans and for the sport of MMA. And also for Francis, you know, he's going to make more money fighting in the UFC than if he goes anywhere else in MMA. And um, and he's going to have more competition in the UFC. That's what you want. You want to see the best fighting the best. So I, I hope that they can work something out and that it doesn't uh, – Get to a point where you know they blow each other off because that that wouldn't be good for anybody.
0: And I do think we have the best fighting the best this weekend. We're joined here by Kevin Ioli from Yahoo Sports. Uh, this is an awesome matchup: Francis Ngannou against Cyril Gan in the main event at UFC 270. Um, I, I get the feeling with talking with Frank and James, I, I think I'm on an island in in leaning to Cyril Gan. I Just um, you know, the really? the more the more that I study them both. <laughs> Uh, just the more impressed I come away with gone and it's not to take anything away from Nganu, but just uh, Cyril gone it's just he he's he's a heavyweight that moves like a much much smaller fighter and obviously Kevin um Francis Nganu, his power is like a cheat code to win any fight right. um you know uh, otherwise I think Cyril gone probably has more ways to win this fight he's certainly the more well rounded striker and his movement is incredible How do you break this one down, Kevin, and who do you see getting their hand raised here?
3: I agree with you. When you said, you know, when you said that they were, you know, surprised that you were going for Cyril, I I was surprised to hear that. I mean, you know, Cyril, I think, is the next generation athlete in the UFC. I mean, he's the kind of guy that I think we're going to see, you know, in a couple of years from now. I mean, 6'6", 250 something, um, you know, low body fat, unbelievably athletic. Uh, um, Look what he did to Derek Lewis. You know, Derek Lewis couldn't even land a punch, right? I mean, you know, he just took Derek Lewis apart, tired him out, knocked him out. Um, you know, Francis hits even harder than Derek Lewis does, who was the UFC's all time knockout leader. So, you know, you know, I think it was a good way you described it, Alex, is, you know, saying it's, he's like a cheat code uh, because, in fact, he is. You know, all you have to do is touch you. Uh, you look at Kane Velasquez and, you know, how good Kane Velasquez was. And Francis hit him with that kind of half block, half deflected shot and Kane went out in 26 seconds. So Francis has that. He's in the fight. He has the ability to land that one shot. And I don't care how many, you know, minutes of a fight that uh, Cyril Ghosn has won, the fight could end that way. But having said that, I, I, I equate um, Cyril Gaughan in in MMA to say like something like a Floyd Mayweather in boxing. And, you know, Mayweather fought all these bad guys and all these hard punchers and everybody. And they couldn't hit him. And if you can't hit him, you can't beat him. And I think that's how Cyril is. And I think Cyril is a very smart guy. His coach, Fernando Lopez, who used to be Francis's coach, um, is a genius in there, and I and I don't think he's getting enough credit. But I think if Cyril wins this fight, you'll see Fernand Lopez start to be mentioned among the better coaches out there. And I think Fran, you know, excuse me, Cyril will use what you said: his athletic ability, his movement. Um, I think you'll see him, you know, get in the clinch and make Francis carry his body weight a little bit. Try to get Francis tired, where you know uh, he's not as uh, fresh as he was, and then and then you know, kind of go for the finish. So I, I like Cyril in the fight as well. I'm not saying that Francis. does doesn't have a shot at all, but I feel really solid about Cyril. And I think that's why the odds are going up and up and up all the time in, in, uh, in favor of Cyril.
2: Yeah, I think Frank and I are in the minority with in, in Gano on that one, um, but but oh, Kevin, no,
3: we're we're split 50-50, so
2: it's not that bad for you guys. Well, yeah. with, with all the Vegas money going, uh, you yeah. know, towards as, as well. Maybe, but.
1: maybe, hey James, maybe they'll release another sparring video, and then Gano will go. <laughs> yeah, more-
3: <laughs> well, Frank, that was the thing yesterday. Francis comes out at the uh, media day and says that I knocked out. He never said this before. He said I knocked out Cyril uh, with a high head kick. So I see that I immediately call Fernando Lopez, uh, the trainer. I said, "Hey, Francis just said this," and he said, "Absolutely not." He said he never knocked him down. He never knocked him out. He said he did kick him in the head, and Cyril got mad. And I had to separate them, and I ended the sparring for that day. So, well, by, by, by the time. way, Ke- Kevin, you, 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 I, I saw I saw your interview with
0: Francis, and I've seen him interviewed uh, a number of times in the build-up to this fight. I, I get the sense that he he like the spa, if he really thinks that fernand lopez like leaked those sparring videos to get into his head it seems to be working cuz he really gets defensive about those like that seems to really upset him those sparring videos
3: I agree. I mean, you know, I I mean, the code in the sport, so to speak, is not to release sparring videos because sparring is not fighting. And Cyril has said that, you know, Cyril said, Hey, I don't make anything of it. And, you know, the sparring videos are just, you know, it's, it's practice. It's not a fight. Fights are way different. Uh, But Fernand uh, who has, you know, who had a little bit of a a hard time with uh, um, uh, Francis, you know, he's kind of, you know, digging the knife in on him, and so uh, I think you know it's more Fernand versus Francis than it's Cyril versus Francis, and in, in, in the pre-fight buildup stuff.
2: Kevin, what what do you take from the whole uh, Dana White's comments on John Jones? You know, rarely does he pass up an opportunity to hype up a fight. He could have said, "Yeah, the winner could get John Jones next," and that could have you know maybe sold a few more pay-per-views. But instead, he said, "You know what? You know I I have no idea. You know what what's going to happen with John Jones? What, what do you take from his comments on John Jones?" Well, he, knew, you know, he has the
3: benefit of having talked to John Jones. I don't think Dana personally has talked to John Jones, but, you know, uh, UFC employees have been talking to John about, you know, coming you know back and fighting, and so he has the benefit of having conversations with what John said. Now, my belief and you know, everything that I've seen from John is that John wants to fight at heavyweight. That's why I think he's, if I'm not mistaken now, the last time I saw him, he was like in the low 250s weight-wise. That's, that's too much if he's planning to come back to fight at light heavyweight. You know, I mean, he's Dropping close to 50 pounds. And I don't think that's John's kind of um, thing. You know, being, uh, you know, he has the one loss with the disqualification, but being undefeated means a lot to John. You know, nobody's ever beaten him. And I don't, and I, he's like Floyd Mayweather in that regard. He really, that zero means a lot. And so I don't think John would go up to 250 if he if he was planning to go back to light heavyweight. But, you know, Dana also is privy to conversations that you and I aren't. And so, you know, he may know something. John, I think it's more, though, Dana just recognizes John as mercurial. And, and, you know, you just don't know how where John's going to, you know, come on the side of things. So he's not going to lay all his eggs in that basket. You know, he's going to say, hey, we'd love to have this fight happen. But, you know, John may not want and if he doesn't, great, we'll go somewhere else.
1: Where's uh, Where's Stipe in all this, Kevin?
3: Stipe, um, you know, he's angry at the UFC because he felt like he he deserved an immediate rematch. You know, he felt like you know, he had taken the DC trilogy, all the stuff he had done. Uh, he felt like after having uh, beaten uh, Francis the first time, losing in the rematch that he deserved an immediate rematch. Uh, the UFC felt like they um, needed to get uh, to move on from that, and there, the hope was to get Jones first. You know, so Cyril came in. Um, you know, when they couldn't get Jones in the mix, but uh, that was kind of you know what was going on there. So Stipe, you know, he's also been you know nursing a few injuries, you know, and so he's uh, he's coming back. I think you know part of what you know, there was a little bit. To talk about was maybe uh, Stipe fighting one of the other top guys, Derek Lewis or or even Jones. Uh, but so far, nothing has been uh, has been solidified with him. Some people in the UFC are you know they're kind of frustrated with uh, Stipe because he's not the easiest guy to get to fight. You know he he doesn't you know he fights because he's good at it, not because it's like what he loves to do. There's some guys that are crazy and they love to fight. Steve A. Moore looks at it as a business. And so they have a little bit of trouble getting him to the post when they want to. And um, so I think that's kind of the situation they're in right now.
0: Yeah. You referenced a little earlier, the uh, pay-per-view price increase. And I I don't think that's going to bother too many people for this fight because this is a a mega pay-per-view, but they're not all this big at the top. Right. And then usually the main event is usually what the casual consumers are paying for um Like, do you, do you think, Kevin, that there's kind of like a breaking point? Like, how how high can they raise that price? Because uh, I think within the last couple of years, it was sixty five, then it went up to seventy. Quickly went up to seventy five. Do you think there there might be a point up there where it's like, okay, th- this is the maximum you know the average fan is willing to pay for one of these, and then they they go to more to the more of the pirated streams and all that stuff.
3: I I, I do think there is, you know, and I think they probably hit it, you know. Uh, you know, ESPN has invested a lot of money into the UFC, and they're the ones that control the pricing on the pay-per-view. Not the UFC. The UFC basically sold the pay-per-views to ESPN, uh, so ESPN has has that. Um, you know, they, they have the choice of what, what they want to sell it for. And, you know, they're really, they're, they're really making it uh, expensive because not only do you have to pay $75 for a pay-per-view, but you also have to subscribe to ESPN Plus. And, and that adds another, you know, whatever that is, uh, um, a month. So it's like
0: five, six bucks a month, something
3: like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you, when you get into that, um, you know, it, 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 it's expensive. So I do think that they're at a point, you know, you gotta be price sensitive here. And, uh, you know, I, I think they, they would have been better off to, you know, go back, stay at, you know, they were at 69.99 before I, I liked it when it was 49.99, not that long ago, you know, what was it? 18 months ago, it was 49.99. And that was one of the edges they had over boxing. The boxing pay-per-views were always ridiculously expensive and the UFC was say, could come on and say, Hey, you know what? We're, we're 50 bucks and we're giving you five really good fights on the card. They've lost that argument now, you know, even though it's ESPN, that's created the issue, you know? They're the they're the same price as boxing pay-per-views now. So now it's the, you know they don't have that argument to fall back on. Alex, can I jump in on your point,
1: uh, Kevin? I don't know how this works, but I'd be interested to get your opinion on it. Let's say they have a three million pay-per-view buy fight or something just out crazy like that, and Ngannou wins. Does ESPN insert themselves at all into the UFC's negotiating
3: with this no. guy? No. <laughs> No, no, but but if Nganu wins uh, by the the contract uh, that they have, the champions clause that they have in the contract, he then his contract extends and goes out. So then they would not lose him. But ESPN does not have that right to deal with, you know, and it's just the same as in the NFL that the networks don't have. They can't say, you know, to the, you know, Patriots, they couldn't say, hey, you got to keep Tom Brady or we're not going to put your games on CBS. Right. You know, it was, uh, you know, the the teams uh, put their team together the way they think best for them. And the UFC is going to go ahead and put together uh, their fight cards the way they think is best for them. Of course, you know, the UFC is uh, will try to be a good partner with ESPN. And if there's something that ESPN wants that they can do, I think that they will go out of their way to do it. But, you know, if it gets into a situation, you know, let's just say Francis says, Hey, I want to make 35 million a fight. Um, and UFC says, well, there's no way we can pay $35 a to fight. I don't think ESPN asking them to keep Francis at $35 million would make them do it. I think they would walk away from Francis at that point. Um, but, you know, uh, they, they would try to be good partners. And, you know, and, and vice versa. ESPN tries to be good partners to them. But I, I think, you know, just going to that original question, you know, that price increases. In the, uh, for people to follow. And, you know, the other thing is that comes up, you saw the flurry of tweets that came out. Everybody's saying, oh, well, the fighter is going to get any part of it. Well, not uh-huh. money going to the UFC. That's money going to ESPN, and yet the UFC is the one taking the heat for it because, you know, people are saying, give the fighters the money, the extra money. And so <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, nuance that goes on when, when something like that happens.
1: I've just always wondered how often these conversations happen. You brought up the NFL. Like, how much is the conduct policy in the NFL driven by CBS, Fox, You know, I I, I just wonder, and I I wonder how. how,
3: I'm sorry, Frank, I missed it.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Just the conduct policy in the NFL and its evolution. I always wonder how much that's not executives from CBS and Fox picking up the phone and saying, hey, we're selling the advertising here. You got to fix this. Uh, So I just wonder how much they will. I mean, I know they don't have a right technically, but I wonder how often they pick up the phone and they say, "Hey, Dana, sign this guy or, you know.
3: I certainly think Jimmy Pitaro or one of the other executives at ESPN would call Dana and say, hey, you know, we would really like it if you would sign Francis Ngannou and have him back. And, hey, that would be a point if they don't. Like, you know, let's say that they, they walk away. ESPN asked the UFC to sign him and they don't do it. You know, when the next negotiations come up, uh, what is it, 2025, I think, you know, then, you know, that, that's a, an issue on the ESPN side that they, they will address. Um, and so I think both sides want to be good partners to each other, you know, uh, if you look at the Disney earnings calls ever since they started ESPN Plus, you know, every time the CEO is raving about the UFC and what, you know, how many subs it's added uh, to Disney Plus. So they clearly value the UFC and the UFC is, you know, in love with ESPN and having that, you know, you know, just all the things that ESPN brings, you know, that uh, the scroll on the bottom during Sports Center, the fact that they're doing all these different programmings, that there's so much. UFC content now that's out there to the masses that wasn't there before so they both need each other they both help each other so I think they do want to work together but you know at some point we're going to you know I mean if Francis goes down a path where you know he makes it impossible for the UFC to keep him at least in Dana White's eyes I don't think Dana's going to hesitate to say to Jimmy Pitaro, you know the president of ESPN I'm sorry we can't do this
0: Hey, is there a cap on the champions clause? Like, if if Francis keeps winning, does he keep getting extended, or is there a limit yes. on that?
3: Yeah, it keeps. Wow. Yeah, I,
0: I was I wasn't sure about that. Wow. So that, and that's that, that it would
3: with be yeah. signed. So it tells it tells them. Yeah. It tells them that. So, you know, yeah. it's uh, and, the, and the point of that is, you know, you don't want to get into a situation and you and, you know, let's just take Conor McGregor, since he would be the, you know, the prime example, the biggest money guy. They spend a lot of money uh, investing in him, you know, promoting him. He becomes their champion. And then he says, I'm walking. Right. You know, and that's, you know, and so they put that in knowing that, hey, if you're our champion, you can't leave us and you have to stay with us. And so they sign the contracts knowing that in advance. Now, for most of the fighters, you know, they never fight for a title, so it doesn't really affect them, right? Um, But, um, you know, that's just, uh, you know, but it it does keep tolling.
0: Awesome. We're joined here by Kevin Ioli from Yahoo Sports. Kevin, uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, because we haven't really devoted any time yet to the co-main event, a trilogy fight between Davison Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno, the champion. They fought twice before draw, very, very evenly matched up the first time. Looked like Brandon Moreno put some distance between the two of those guys in the second fight. How do you see the third fight going for the flyweight belt?
3: I think Figueiredo. Um, I love Moreno, and I think you know he, he's so uh, charismatic, such a good personality. And you got to love what he did, getting cut coming back, kind of reinventing himself, and then winning the championship. You know, he he still hasn't lost to Figueredo, the draw the first time out, and he submits him uh, in June uh, when he won the title from him. But, you know, I think when you looked at uh, Figueredo, you know, Figueredo has been one of those guys like, you know, his attitude like, yeah, I'll do what I want to do. And he, you know, he doesn't really care. And so, you know, he's had issues making weight and he's gone into the fight week where he's been 150 something pounds and had to get down 20, 25 pounds. And, you know, it's, it's really tough to do. Um, if you saw the picture he posted the other day, uh, his body looks phenomenal. Um, he, I talked to him and, and this was uh, a week ago tomorrow and he weighed 135 that day um and so that meant 10 pounds in a week that he had to lose and i'm sure when he got to uh anaheim he was even less than that and he you know the other thing is he was in phoenix training not like before when he was in brazil and then you you know you had all the stuff that went on so um you know I like Figueroa to win the fight I mean Moreno is such a uh, a good kid and such a popular guy and he has so, so much heart right I mean he you know he's a guy that fights with everything inside of him and the crowd I think that's going to be a very, heavily pro Moreno crowd. You're going to, a lot of Mexican Americans are going to be there. A lot of Mexican people are going to be there and they're going to be pulling for uh, Moreno to win this. And and that can't be discounted that crowd, you know, that support that I think, you know, can help him push through in some tight situations. But I think, you know, Figueredo has more ways to win the fight. And when he's motivated and in shape, I think he's the best fighter in that division. Well, nothing gets two, eyeball. You know. Nothing gets eyeballs on the flyweights like making them the co-main to this
0: super, uh, this super main event. That's Saturday. true. Yeah. Just make sure, Frank, you don't make this one your snack break fight. Like, oh, it will be. That's what I'm uh, gathering. All my getting okay. all my
1: cocktails pre-made. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh, Kevin Ioli, I can't thank you enough for spending some time. And everyone, make sure you check out Kevin's work. Uh, the written articles and columns are so great at YahooSports.com and. You go to the Yahoo Sports YouTube channel. You can find all the wonderful interviews that Kevin has done. You want to hear from Dana White. You want to hear from Francis Ngannou. You can check that all out. I was watching those all this morning, and they were they're very, very well done. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time. Enjoy the fight on Sunday, uh, Saturday.
3: <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. See you
0: soon. Love it.
1: It will be Sunday. I mean, this fight won't go off till.
0: That's a good point. You know, I was right the first time. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so in the zone saying Sunday with NFL playoffs and all that. Like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. But now this one will be uh, kind of where where Kevin is because he's going to be at the event in Anaheim. It'll be Saturday there, three hours back. But it's probably going to be Sunday for us. So last thing I wanted to, I wanted to go around the table on this with you guys before we wrap up this episode is we have been previewing UFC 270. Talked a lot about the main event, which is going to be mammoth between Francis Ngannou and Surreal Gone, UFC 270 on pay-per-view. Uh, Dana White has said this on a couple of different appearances this week, that uh, in his words, Francis Ngannou is the best overall heavyweight striker of all time for MMA, right? He's not talking boxing. You mean today. Ngannou or Gone? Sorry, Surreal Gone. Yeah, it's the Gone and Ganu thing. And throw it throws let, let me try that again. Okay. Dana White has called Cyril Gone the best heavyweight MMA striker in history. Um, <laughs> Frank is already laughing. Okay, tell me, do you agree, disagree? If not, him, who?
1: It's the recency bias again. I'm, I'm just I'm so frustrated with it. Surreal gone is a great striker, and he may prove, he may end up proving himself to be that over a longer career. But right now, have we forgotten already about one of your favorite fighters, Alistair Overeem? Like, oh my God, yeah. Alistair Overeem. Ah, don't I eh, baby. Come I, on,
0: man. I think Gone I mean. is a better overall striker than Overeem. Overeem was more of a power striker, right? I think I think Ghan is actually more polished, moves better than Overeem.
1: Uh, Junior Dos Santos in his prime.
0: Boxer, tremendous boxer, strike. but not Boxing overall striker.
1: Tank Abbott,
0: tremendous striker.
1: I can't believe you threw shade on Alistair like that. No,
0: very, it, it, he he is a former the K-1
1: kicks? grand K-1. K-1. champion. Yeah. man. K-1.
0: Very dangerous knees, the uber knee. But no, honestly, though, it's like the thing is I, I'm so infatuated. With Cyril Gaunt's kickoff. I know thing. you are, man. Like it puts <laughs> it puts me in a trance when I watch this guy. He's just
1: he's so fluid. Oh, James is going to send you some more sparring videos. You may just, you know, you <laughs> may here's just. Here's how it's going to go down.
0: Okay, how about how about how about this? And and James, I do want to get your take as well on the best yep. striker in heavyweight MMA history. But how about this? If if uh, Francis wins. You guys can like you can pick out my wardrobe for next week. Like I've got to wear something. Don't bet him.
1: Don't bet him, James. He never pays up. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'll I'll pay up for this because everyone's going to be watching. There, there's a video component. I'm going to pay up on this one. So if if Francis wins, uh, I've got to do something ridiculous. But if if Gon wins, you guys both will owe me an apology, a heartfelt apology for trying to cut me down at the knees. My enthusiasm for France for. uh, for Cyril Gone, you guys will owe me an apology next week. Is that fair?
2: That's fair. I like it. I'm in.
1: I'm not apologizing, you fool. <laughs> what do you think, I'm James? Screaming
2: rematch,
0: <laughs> James? Is Cyril Gone the best uh, striker in MMA heavyweight history?
2: I I just don't know how you can say that for a person who hasn't. Ever, who hasn't been champion, you know? I don't you at least have to have a title, you know, some, some, you know, something in the history books before you become the best ever at anything, really. Um, so no, I, but I mean, can I think, I mean, look, and is really good, Fedor's really good. I mean, Mirko Krokop with, with his head kick was really, I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know who the best heavyweight striker of all time was if you include both punches and kicks but um i i just think the hype you know dana is taking every avenue every chance he can to hype you know to hype this fight which is why i was a little surprised that he kind of just threw the the john jones thing in the dumpster because i I think that could have been a nice carrot to dangle to say hey you know the, the next guy at least he said could be up You know, John Jones could be up for the next guy, but he just didn't want any part of that at all, which which I thought was interesting. But
0: and he should be hyping John because if Francis loses and decides to leave the company out of spite, although he'd be in a much better position if he wins to have Mm -hmm. bargaining power, but still, like if he loses, he could just say, Hey, I don't like the way you treated me, I'm out. Then you're really gonna need John because if you lose Francis and Ganu from the company. And Cyril Gaṇ, who, despite my infatuation, doesn't have necessarily the most exciting style, you're going to want John Jones in that division fighting for that belt.
2: Yep, and it's a big fight either way. John Jones versus either guy is a huge fight that you could have during International Fight Week. it will be a great style clash either way. You could have a really tactical heavyweight bout between Gaṇ and Jones, or you can have that classic, you know, power puncher versus tactician, uh, you know, within Gaṇu versus Jones. So. Um, but yeah, but that's, that's looking ahead. I don't know why Dana just threw cold water and doesn't want any part of it right now. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I, I'm, I don't know the hype. I just feel like they're just rushing gone a little too fast, man. But like I said, if if, if gone wins, man, I, I owe you a big apology, and I will. You're, you're, James, you're not wrong. I mean, you couldn't be more right. I don't think you've ever been more right
1: on the show. And when did, Der, when did Derek Lewis become the litmus for greatness? Like, Keep give me a people. break. The guy is literally 2021, 2022's version of Tank Abbott. You know who didn't beat <laughs> Derek Lewis? Your guy, Francis, no, I know, didn't I know beat he, Derek. No, Lewis. I know he didn't. He had a he had a mental break and he never threw a punch. And neither did Derek, by the way. I guess he threw one, so he won the fight. But listen, like somehow beating Derek Lewis has made Surreal gone like the greatest striker in MMA heavyweight history. Everyone that has uttered those words, typed those words, or even thought about that that way should be embarrassed. <laughs> By the way,
0: these comments are great. So I've got I've got to sing. If you guys win this bet, I've got to sing karaoke, which I will totally do. And if I win, Frank has to make a clip about how important immigrants are to the economy.
1: <laughs> yeah, the comment about booster shots earlier about me. I feel like he has me typecast a certain way.
0: Oh, man. Well, fe- fellas, um, but before we wrap this episode up, um is it fair just go go for it for the record I, I know who you're both picking in the main event but for the record frank and then james state who will win in the main event and how they will win
1: francis and ganu frightening ko doesn't get out of the first round wow. and you have to watch the replay to figure out exactly where the punch came from and where it landed i like that. it
2: happens that quickly Wow, I'm I'm gonna go in Ganu in the third round uh by Ooh. knockout. I think he's gonna land early, create some damage. I think that's gonna slow Gone down, and uh he finishes him a little late in the middle of the fight, third round.
0: I, I'm going to <laughs> I funny. So funny. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Surreal Gan by fourth round TKO. I think he's gonna wear him out and then he's gonna get the stoppage. Uh, he's gonna gas Francis out. What about what about comain event? I actually I Obviously, I agree with Kevin Ioli on a lot of things. He's a very smart man, but I disagree with him on the co-main. I'm going to go with Brandon Moreno to get his hand raised by decision in this one. He'll have to weather an early storm. So I'm going to go with Moreno to retain uh, by fifth-round decision. He is favored in this fight, minus 175, but I'm going to go with Moreno. What about you, Frank?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't have a strong feeling on the fight, mostly because the flyweights are when I take breaks. Oh come on, I'm kidding.
2: Uh but but I uh, <laughs> take breaks. But
1: uh, yeah, and and I just I I have I this affects my judgment sometimes, but I am also picking him, but it's more emotional. I find him incredibly likable and I and so I think I I think emotionally I also want to see him win. So that's affecting my decision.
2: I, I, I like what I heard from Kevin Ioli. Figueroa is, is is in shape. He's motivated. He has revenge on his mind. I, I think when these matchups are razor close, like you know, if these guys fight ten times, it'd probably be five-five. I, I think that revenge factor, that motivation coming in in shape, and everything. I, I think that plays a part. So I'm I'm gonna go Figueroa uh, in in a very close fight, probably a close decision.
0: I like it. Well, guys, make sure uh, make sure you support the channel. Hit subscribe here on 5 Reasons YouTube if you're not already subscribing. And, yeah, for this video, guys, please smash the like button. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, Leave us a nice comment if you want to. And, you know, I'm I'm saying that for the people watching the replay. For those watching live, every week hit us up on the live chat. We have a lot of fun on the live chat. And we do have a show Twitter account. Trying to find it so I can put it on the screen here. It is 5 underscore... MMA, let me write it out so people can see it.
1: I'm gonna make that my new uh stage name
0: here, uh, from now on. So, five underscore MMA, that'll be yeah, see that. Hold on, here it is, so everyone can see it. At five underscore MMA is where you can follow the show. We'll keep you updated when we're going live and also when the replays are posted. Uh, The YouTube replay, it's instantaneous as soon as we sign off, you can watch the YouTube replay. Uh, the podcast replay takes a little bit longer for it to hit um, Apple and Spotify. It's usually within 12 hours or less that it gets posted on all the audio channels. And yes, subscribe on the audio channels as well. We're on all the major ones, right? Most, Most people, I think, use Apple Podcasts. The cool people like Frank use Spotify. Even if you use Google, Amazon, we're on almost every podcasting channel, Five Rounds MMA. You'll see the orange fist logo and you'll know that it's us so huge uh, great job guys and everybody enjoy the fights uh, any parting comments here from frank and then james
1: yeah i just want to say you tough through the show like a champion for those who don't know alex has COVID. i had it a couple weeks ago and I wouldn't have done the show if you'd paid me a million bucks. I wasn't getting off the couch. Like, well, the thing is, like I feel a, totally i like feel a,
0: totally fine, though. Like so a little
1: means. child I laid cuddled up under a blanket, unable to move. <laughs> Alex has now done two shows out of the last five ill. So uh, I hope Ngannou shows half the heart Alex has tonight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> definitely.
2: Definitely. Kudos. Kudos to Alex for toughing it out. Um, so, yeah, definitely appreciate that. And, and just looking forward to some good fights. I, I you know, I hate staying up till one in the morning. Um, you know, one one thirty in the morning to watch to watch these fights, but this one will be worth it. I'll, my eyes will be wide open at, at 1.30. Maybe I'll take a nap. You know, late at like seven p.m. or something during the prelims.
0: I'm not gonna lie. There have been a handful of times, big handful of times. I don't think it's gonna be the case for this one because I'm so jacked up. But there have been a handful of times where I, I've just become such an old man that you know I I have to catch like the last two fights the next morning on the replay. Uh, Cause at least that that's a good thing about ESPN plus is you don't even have to like, remember to set the DVR when you order it, the replay is going to be there the next day. If there's anything you missed. So I've done that a handful of times because on you know, a normal night I'm in bed by like 10 45, 10 30. But for this one, for any, any fight involving a Diaz brother or for a fight like this. Yeah. I'm going to stay up for the duration. So I'm hoping for some quick finishes on the prelims, uh, the undercard, but yeah, I will stay up as long as it takes to watch this one. So huge shout out oh shout out here to our guy Estefan who gets in he says good fight card dana is full of it connor got a fight with mayweather on uh while on the ufc contract francis deserves to do a crossover boxing match with fury he earned it it, it is true dana did set that precedent guys uh i don't think he's happy he did but he did set that precedent allowing a fighter under contract to take a crossover. But he also got a piece of it because Dana made himself a co-promoter of that fight. So I don't, I don't know, Frank, could you ever see Dana doing that, like relenting and saying, you know what, if, if you want to humiliate yourself uh, against uh, Tyson Fury, do it. At least let me get a piece of it.
1: I mean, I guess you could see him do it again, but I'm thinking now in the age of ESPN and all the rest of it and and what goes into that and what goes into building these stars. I don't think you want to see if you're Dana White and Gano go over there and, and get embarrassed he uh, and then and then and then he's not the for the, the terrifying spectacle anymore when he fights next for your organization. So um, I hope no. I hope the answer is no.
2: Yeah, and, and the timing at that time, Mayweather was the biggest star in boxing. Conor was the biggest star in MMA. I mean, that was like two comets kind of rising at the same time to make it a perfect timing fight, to where they just made a boatload of money. That I don't I don't think you can make that matchup in 2022. Tyson Fury is a is a star, but he's not as big a star as Floyd Mayweather was in his prime. And 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 Francis Ngannou has star power, but he he isn't Conor as far as crossover appeal. So. That wouldn't make the money. I couldn't think of a matchup in boxing right now. Even their best fighters, their biggest star versus the biggest star in MMA, you know, that doesn't involve Conor. I just can't see it making that kind of money. So it probably wouldn't make sense for Dana to even think about it at this point.
0: Yeah, so uh, he, he thanks again to everyone who's been active in the chat. Me, Junior, Tony two times, Alex M, Estefan. We'll talk to everybody again next week. Um, I'm either going to be singing karaoke, or Frank will be apologizing to immigrants. So, so something, something <laughs> will go down. Something will go down on next week's show because only one of us can be victorious. We will talk to you then next Thursday, six p.m. right here on Five Rounds on the Five Reasons Sports Network. See ya.